You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. ...on the Gregorian calendar, and that marks International Women's Day, which has something to do with the Parsha, and you'll soon see what. Now, I have mixed feelings about this day. And part of the reason is embodied by the Google Doodle today. Um, I don't know if it's appearing internationally, it's appearing here in Israel. Um, we have this little, uh, what we call here in Israel, a sirton, a little film, uh, cartoon, actually. It goes for about 15 seconds, I don't know exactly how much the time is. But essentially it's showing uh, women doing all these things like becoming astronauts and spacemen, space women, um, athletes, you name it, uh, essentially filling roles that were traditionally held only to be for men. And that seems to be the way Google, at least in this particular situation, is commemorating the day. And, and there's some truth to the representation of that day as, as women taking on uh, roles, again, that are traditionally associated with, with the masculine. Now, um, you know, one can debate whether there's any reason for these roles to be masculine or not. That's my, not my point. You'll see what my point is um, quite soon, I hope. Um, before you do that, I just want to point out also that International Women's Day was very strongly associated with, uh, with socialism and communism. Um, so much so that uh, pre-1960s, really 70s, this was a holiday throughout the uh, Eastern Bloc, uh, almost exclusively so, and it remains much more celebrated in uh, former uh, Soviet, so former communist countries, as well as uh, countries that are still communist, such as Vietnam and China. Um, so that also uh, should give us some pause about the nature of this day, I think. Um, it's interesting in, in the Czech Republic that association makes it a uh, controversial issue that um, the uh, day was very widely celebrated under the communist regime and as a result was completely uh, disavowed, was, was uh, ignored uh, as a remnant of the old communist regime. Now, it's been brought back, but it remains contra controversial, and uh, not all, uh, certainly not all women, and not even all feminists in the Czech Republic uh, are completely comfortable with the celebration, but one could say that that's for reasons that are completely not essential to the day. In any case, I don't want to get lost in uh, my introduction because really this serves by way of introduction to connect to something that we saw in this week's Parsha and last week's Parsha. And from there, going on to the more general theme of women in Judaism. Um, I want to say that before I get to the Parsha, this issue of women in Judaism is... is, is uh, you know, constantly been a recurring issue of interest to people, especially on the outside, making their way into Judaism, uh, often seen as an obstacle that the traditional role often associated with uh, Judaism is, uh, is, I want to say prohibitory, but, but certainly is an obstacle, as we said, 
to people, to women in particular, buying into uh, traditional, traditional Judaism. As a result, many books have come out through the last uh, 50 years, books and articles, um, not only for those uh, making their way in, but even for people inside of orthodoxy, certainly in modern orthodoxy. Um, I don't need to mention the uh, Jewish Orthodox Feminist Alliance, JOFA, and another body obviously very concerned. I mean, the, the whole reason for their being is this issue. There's been a lot of writing uh, both on the philosophy of Judaism uh, Judaism's outlook towards women and, and gender in general, and um, and and the halacha that uh, sort of sets the very hard contours of that uh, particular role. So there's lots written. I remember um, being more interested in this as I was making my own journey to Judaism and, and not being comfortable with most of what I read, not disliking it, but not f uh, feeling so enamored with it either. Um, again, not, not a resistance. I was never uh, a feminist per se. I'm simply looking for a, a way to understand uh, better what Judaism has to say. And luckily, I eventually came across a book which I still recommend, apparently you can still get it on Amazon, and uh, that, that book being The Voice of Sarah by a scholar who's out in California, named Tamar Frankiel. I once had the good fortune of meeting her. I think we met in London, actually, at a conference. Um, now, uh, she's a very fascinating person, and um, what this book did for me, before I should mention as a side, that somewhere out there in the world, my copy is being held hostage. Uh, those of you who uh, know the problems of lending out books uh, know that there are victims to such a generous policy, and my copy of, uh, of The Voice of Sarah is such a victim. Um, granted, I could buy another copy uh, myself at Amazon. Apparently, it's, uh, I think I just thought it was about $5.00. But I'd rather complain about it on the podcast. So if you're that person, please make sure I get it back. In any case, The Voice of Sarah is, a, is an outstanding book. And it really spoke to me because it, it, it did not try to, uh, at least from my reading, it did not try to um, overplay, overstate, the role of women is something greater than men and uh, try to present what I see as apologetics for, for women's role, but rather to celebrate the traditional role and give it depth. Um, it's a tremendous book. And, uh, of course, I haven't seen it. I haven't read it inside um, for many years because, as you already know, my book is not with me. But... Um, I still still uh, see snippets here and there, and uh, have a general sense of the book, and, and highly recommend it as a way to understand what um, what uh, she points out in an interview more recently um, is that there are um, differences in the spirituality of men and women, right? Is um, 
the, the, the quote from the book is that is praises the question to which she answers in the affirmative, is it possible that some forms of spiritual, spirituality are more feminine and some are more masculine? And that's essentially um, a theme, one of the themes of this book. If you want to read more, um, beso- or before you write, uh, before you read the book, there's an outstanding interview that I just uh, alluded to. It's actually um, on the jewishwoman.org, which is uh, a part of Chabad's website, and you can see a, a thumbnail sketch of, uh, of her thinking and of the book, at least in 1999, which is when the interview took place. Um, in any case, I want to go even further back in history, right? 1999 may sound to some listeners like ancient history, but there's a much more ancient history, and that deals with Parshat HaShavua, and our observation in this week's Dvar Torah, which, as you already know, can be attained by, in a few days, uh, either buying a copy, attaining a copy of the print Jewish press, or simply online going through Jewish press. Um, you can also, as I've mentioned, uh, get it delivered into your inbox by subscription uh, through email. In any case, in this week's uh, in this week's edition, I speak about the difference, the traditionally understood difference between men and women in the story of giving gold to the golden calf. Now that you may say we read that last week, well, you're right, but in this week's parsha, we have a different donation of gold, and that donation is for the tabernacle for the mishkan. And the Torah goes out of its way to say that the women were enthusiastic participants. Uh, or at least so it's red, it's not black and white, but it's clear the women are mentioned as, as being givers. Uh, perhaps, uh, as many commentaries want to know, the primary givers of the gold in this story, whereas we don't read about them giving anything at all to the golden calf, uh, the understanding being that they, in fact, refused to give anything over there. Now, I'm not going to go into why that is. You can read about it, again, in my Dvar Torah, in my Parsha article for this week. Strongly recommend it. I think you'll enjoy it. But here what I want to observe is that the Jewish tradition, um, starting from the Torah, highlights the difference. Really, one could say, well, they're all people, right? They're all people, and there's no reason to differentiate whether it's men that gave the gold or women that gave the gold, whether one gender refused or the other. And I think this is the point that I started with about having some discomfort with at least Google's uh, characterization of International Women's Day, uh, that it's trying to iron out differences as opposed to celebrating the differences. And again, I, I, I'm aware that this is a gross simplification of that, that the women's movement is complex and all sorts of issues uh, that are being observed and are of interest and many of which uh, traditional Judaism would, would be in total agreement with and enthusiastic agreement about. But this is a point that 
I think needs to be made, and in, in, in view especially of the association of Women's Day with the, with communism, um, where you can see um, you know posters of the notion of equalizing society, uh, meaning that the, the the women should not be any more responsible for the home than the man. Um, and again, it's a it's a longer discussion, but what I'm interested in is Judaism's interest in maintaining gender differences, not oppressive differences, obviously, the, the differences are not understood to be oppressive, but the, the, the notion that men and women uh, would respond differently in this case, you know, obviously puts the women in a better light than the men, but the Jewish tradition speaks, you know, we're not here to be apologetic, sometimes the Jewish tradition will highlight the positive um, activity of men as opposed to uh, less positive activity of women or trait or whatever it, it might be. And, and I think here this is a, a, an issue that relates to some of the earlier podcasts that we spoke about, um, the, the uh, ability um, that's, being, that's, that's shrinking all the time to express uh, politically incorrect ideas, the notion that um, men can be better at some things and women can be better at others is somehow politically incorrect. And I think that here we have an important statement of the Jewish tradition, and that is that rather than downplaying difference, we not only recognize it, but even celebrate it. And in the case, in, in, in point, where we're talking about the women not giving to the golden calf, whatever the reasons were, uh, here you have an opportunity for men to learn from women. And as I said before, in converse cases where men are doing the right thing and not women, so women would be, have the opportunity of learning from men. And this is true of cultures... Um, as well of all sorts of groups that exist, rather than trying to downplay the differences, um, I think it is to our, to our advantage to notice the differences and see who does things better than we do. And that's true, by the way, of the Jewish community as, as a whole as well. We don't only learn from ourselves. Uh, it seems to me that one of the reasons the Jews were thrown into exile for so many years is not only to give the good ideas that we have to the nations of the world, but also to gain good ideas that nations of the world have for us to bring back to our country, to our people in Israel. I'm going to leave you with that, and we're going to speak to Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.